Welcome to the Water Cooler, everybody. I'm David Brody. So glad you're with us today. It's Thursday, December 17, 2020, and I want to start with a bit of a pseudo mission statement here. Look, if you turn on CNN and all the other liberal media outlets, you're going to see no coverage at all of the massive examples of election fraud that took place in 2020. Zero. Zippo. However, the fight for the full truth continues, and I want to put it bluntly, we're going to cover it. And you might ask why. Well, because with all due respect to Jake Tapper, Anderson Cooper, and the rest of the media ideologues, it's news. So with that, let's start with this. January 6th, 2021. That's the date where Congress will officially certify the results of the Electoral College. There's an expectation that on that day there will be some fireworks. We're going to break it all down. It all leads to this question. Can Donald Trump still win the presidency? Liberals are going to laugh, but constitutional scholar Rick Green will be here to explain the answer. And COVID stimulus checks, will they be sent out for Christmas? Can Congress get its act together? <laughs> the latest from the halls of Congress. But first, will there be a wild scene on January 6, 2021, when Congress meets to certify the Electoral College vote? What is going to happen specifically? I want to bring in our newsmaker today, Roger Stone, back with us on the water cooler. Roger, always great to see you, sir. Great to be with you, David. Um, you know, because we haven't had this kind of uh, uh, electoral crisis in the country, a constitutional crisis, potentially, there's very little understanding of the American people of the process, the legal process of the election of the president and potentially a shift in control of the White House, although I'm convinced based on everything I've seen that Donald Trump won a clear majority of the legal votes cast. Uh, the evidence of fraud is both overwhelming and extraordinarily compelling. Uh, and unlike uh, past uh, uh, fights over voter fraud, um, we have a new uh, 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 angle here, which is there appears to be, based on the presentations of uh, Sidney Powell and others, cyber manipulation of the vote beyond the old-fashioned urban Democrat machine of voting dead people, voting people who have moved out of the jurisdiction, people voting multiple times, uh, uh, ballot harvesting, the manipulation of absentee ballots, the manipulation of mail ballots. Here in my home state of Florida, it's a cottage industry. We just create new ballots uh, to find out uh, what the margin was on election night. Oh, you're down 300,000. You live in, uh, say, Broward or Palm Beach County. Just dump in 300,000 fabricated ballots. This has gone on clearly in Michigan and Wisconsin. Uh, so the, the evidence is overwhelming. The problem here is that uh, the media blockade of truth about this has created an atmosphere in which both politicians and, sadly, jurists don't want to do what is right. They want to do what they think will get them in least trouble with the public so they can continue in their phony baloney jobs pulling their enormous government paychecks. Yeah. So, Roger, does, does Donald Trump, do you believe, have any shot to remain president? And if so, how at this point? Yes, he, he most definitely does, um, because uh, the courts have abrogated their responsibilities here. There are very real, very viable legal challenges to this election. They have been well framed by Mayor Giuliani and by Sidney Powell and others, uh, and they have been rejected by the courts. That's a political decision, 
not a judicial decision, but they'll call it a judicial system. Uh, it is not surprising that the court, uh, just like every other institution in this country, um, is uh, obedient to the uh, to the deep state controlled media now. And with a blockade, not just uh, of truth when it comes to broadcast uh, television, uh, network television, cable, uh, but now broadening itself to all social media and the internet, it is much easier to run what has been from the beginning essentially a psyop. You tell the people enough times, Trump cannot win. Trump's uh, mishandling of COVID-19 and the exodus of women from the suburb, suburban women from his voter coalition mean he's done. Joe Biden's leading in Wisconsin by 17. It, it's all a hoax. None of that is true. It's made to create uh, a, a, an impression. The president fights his way back from the precipice of defeat. Uh, he punches very hard to enormous rallies in the swing states in the closing days, outworks uh, Joe Biden, who can barely stand up, uh, and I believe won uh, a come-from-behind victory. That victory is then erased in the swing states when new votes are found and where there's now evidence of extraordinary uh, irregularities. Therefore, a member of Congress, any member of the House, May on January 6th, when the House uh, uh, meets to certify the uh, results of the election, object to the certification. If that member has his motion seconded by a U.S. senator, uh, then that would require debate on the motion. If there is debate on the motion, it would allow the president's uh, advocates to lay out for the American people and for the Congress all of the evidence of voter fraud uh, in the correct arena. Uh, and at that point, I think the country will be outraged that this election is being heisted. So Roger, just to clear up a few things, there is some, there are issues specifically that if it goes to the Senate, you got uh, Romney and Ben Sass and all these other guys, they're not gonna, they're not gonna go for this. So he's gonna run into some stumbling blocks there. It requires one United States Senator. Will it be Ted? Will it be Ted Cruz? Will it be Rick Scott of Florida? Uh, will it be Rand Paul, a great man in my opinion? Who do you one think? Of, who do you think is the best shot? Who do you think is the best Josh shot? Josh Hawley. I honestly couldn't tell you. I, I admire all four of those men. I've had my past problems with Ted Cruz, but um, he's gotten right with uh, the president. So uh, <laughs> any one of those individuals could stand up in that chamber. Right. I've publicly urged Rick Scott to do so. Uh, my own uh, home state senator to do so. But if you have one congressman and one senator, now you've, you have delayed uh, the heist of the election and you've created a forum in which Donald Trump supporters have one more chance to convince the American people to do what is right here and what is legal, not what right. is uh, popular based on a faux atmosphere created by the media. There is no such thing as the office of president-elect. Stop mm -hmm. saying it, CNN. It doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. It's mm -hmm. a joke. And just the um, the manipulation, for example, of Mitt Romney, who is the Judas of the Republican Party, uh, and George W. Bush, uh, and uh, Netanyahu, for example, congratulating Biden. That's all meant to create mm -hmm. the optics that this is not being challenged and that Biden has been elected, and if you question that based on voter fraud, you're some kind of a conspiracy theorist. Hey, no, sometimes pursuing the truth is difficult, 
but it's never the wrong thing to do. Roger, you mentioned a few senators. Senator Marco Rubio will definitely not be one of those senators standing up to do this. Uh, There's been talk of you uh, possibly challenging him. A lot of people want you to challenge him down in Florida uh, to run in the U.S. Senate. Uh, What's your view of of all of that, Roger? Well, first of all, this grew out of the fact that I spoke to a terrific Stop the Steal peaceful protest in Miami on Saturday. Uh, I would say just under a thousand patriots turned out. It was a pop-up event, only uh, only advertised on social media. Uh, Laura Loomer was there. She spoke. A number of others. A former Hialeah mayor, um, uh, yeah. uh, 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 Martinez, uh, Julio Martinez, and others. And some a guy stood next to me with a giant sign that said, "Where's Marco?" You can see it online. Uh, and that guy said, "Hey, will you will you hold this sign?" I said, "No." But I'm sorely tempted. Uh, And uh, so, therefore, the idea of my running for uh, the U.S. Senate was essentially jocular. It was a joke. I I have no current plans to run for the United States Senate or any other office. Um, I would like to ensure that the Biden Justice Department, as several major Democrats have suggested, don't decide to try to invent some new crime to prosecute me for. Uh, I have uh, said honestly that I'm praying that the president would give me a full pardon, but I'm not going to discuss that beyond that. I'm writing a book which uh, is entitled Roger Stone Did Nothing Wrong, My Political Persecution and the Heist of the 2020 Election, which I have to finish and get to a publisher. Uh, And uh, I am uh, not at this point um, candidate material. I'm flattered. Uh, if I was going to run any against anybody, it'd probably be the other senator, Rick Scott. Um, I have a friendly relationship with Marco, even though we come from different wings sure. of the party. He is, a, he is a fervent anti-communist, and I admire him for that. Roger, less than a minute left uh, on Parlor. You're putting up some psalms, some uh, some biblical, uh, inspirational uh, words there. Uh, for example, Father, today I cry to thee, let not my enemies overcome me. And you go on, and then there's a picture of... Uh, of uh, Jesus with his uh, hands on Donald Trump's shoulders. What are you trying to convey with some of what you have there on Parler? Look, Donald Trump is the most improbable political figure you can imagine. He's a a larger-than-life real estate developer, um, probably one of the greatest entrepreneurs in American business history. He never needed to be president. He didn't need it for the prestige or the power or the plane or the house or the pomp and circumstances. Uh, He stepped forward at a crucial time for America. I believe the struggle we're having now with uh, Biden and the Democrats and the deep state and George Soros and the entire American left is a fight for the soul of the United States of America. It's about our survival. It's not just the survival of the United States. It's the survival of of, uh, Western civilization. This is a struggle between light and dark. You know, between the godly and the godless, between good and evil. Donald Trump was put in this place at this time to do something for his country. It is God's will. I believe that because his election is so improbable. Right. Uh, And therefore, uh, I I hope he has the strength. Got to run. He had the strength to to commute my sentence in a. Roger, I got to run. Roger, thank you so much. Got to run. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks so much. Great stuff. Back in a moment. The Angie's List You Know and Trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. 
We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews. But now, we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Welcome back to the Water Cooler, everybody. Uh, look, we just heard from Roger Stone, January 6, 2021, a key date. He talked about they're going to need, they, Trump, is going to need one United States senator to stand up and object to the certification in Congress. Now, uh, who could that be? Uh, let's take a look at some of the latest headlines on that. It doesn't look like it's going to be Ron Johnson or Mike Lee. Uh, the Hill reporting that Senator Johnson and Lee do not currently plan to join an effort spearheaded by uh, Representative Mo Brooks of Alabama to throw out election uh, totals in five battleground states. So who could that U.S. senator be? And to get more on January 6, 2021, oh, ho, ho, back with, what was that? Oh, ho, ho, ho. Oh, that's Santa. (laughs) Ho, ho, ho. Uh, Back with us is Rick Green, America's Constitution coach, uh, a a friend of the show. Rick, great to to see you. I I, I just had this nightmare vision of you trying to get down my chimney somehow (laughs) with with a bag of gifts with your your very weak ho, ho, ho there. Yeah, it was, not only was it a weak ho, 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 but I can confirm that I would get stuck in that chimney after the Taco Bell drive-thru last night. That is for sure. That is for sure. Uh, By the way, real quick, when you do a show and and when you're on the air, no sodium after 10 p.m. Eastern. because it just bloats you the next morning. I'm just letting you know. Uh, All right. So January 6, 2021, Mo Brooks is going to contest these results, but you need a U.S. senator. Uh, Any any best guess uh, if, A, if there's going to be a senator that will contest these results, and, and B, who might that potentially be? Yeah, you know, I'll put it this way first. Any congressman or senator that does not object is by default signing off on this fraudulent election that we've had and the and the breaking of the law by these secretaries of state and, and governors that rewrote the laws unconstitutionally and against state laws as well. So, you know, throw down the gauntlet, Mo Brooks, and, and, and every other constitutional uh, follower in Congress and tell your colleagues that if they don't object, they are literally signing off on and endorsing um, the destruction of our election process. So with that said, I would hope that Ted Cruz uh, and Josh Hawley and a few of those others that uh, seem to be strong constitutionalists, actually are strong constitutionalists, would be the ones to at least start this process and require all of the other members of the Senate and the Congress to actually vote on this. They need to be on record either supporting or opposing the uh, rejection of these electoral slates from these states that broke the law. Rick, I want to get into an article that you wrote. Uh, We've got it here. It says the presidency could still go either way. Here's how Trump could still win. Uh, This is what you penned, and I want you to kind of take us through. Uh, There's a lot there, but maybe kind of forward to where we are now in terms of January 6th and, and what could happen there, Rick. The best thing for the country, David, is that the legislators uh, do their job. They still have time to do their duty under the Constitution. It's not too late because that would clear things up. If the legislatures in these states, these key states, would call themselves into session, name their own electors and send those, then there's no question those would be constitutionally appointed electors and it would remove this uncertainty that is going to happen on January 6th if they don't do their job. Uh, now, they are. there are some of them still considering it, and, and there's still time. We've got several weeks here where that could happen. But, you know, it's not likely in a couple of the states. We'll see. If they do their job, that will solve the problem for everyone. And I'm not talking about for Trump or for Republicans. I'm right. talking about for the Constitution. 
Um, but And then there's still time for the courts as well. I think we could still see action on the courts. Uh, let's remember that what they've rejected in most of these cases has not been the case itself as much as injunctive relief, immediate relief. And so in some of the cases that are coming directly from some of these battleground states, they still have time to hear them. Again, not likely, but it could happen. And then, of course, where you were headed, January 6th, that's the big showdown. That's where the fireworks are going to be fired. And, uh, and there's a lot of questions about how this will play out. Um, I, I would love to point out that constitutionally, Congress does not have this express authority to modify how the counting would be done. They do have express authority um, under the time, place, and manner clause in the Constitution. And, and, and in that case, they can change election law. It specifically gives them permission to do that. It does not give them permission under the 12th Amendment to change how the counting of the electors would take place. So I think precedent is very important. And the 12th Amendment specifically gives Mike Pence, not Mike Pence, but the president of the Senate, which is the vice president, he's the one that has the real authority here. He's the one that's going to oversee this process. And we'll have to look at what happened well, in 1873 and 1877 when they counted in, the, in those races. So help, help me break that down. When you say as president of the Senate, Mike Pence has, uh, and the word you use is authority, what does that authority entail exactly? Because he's going to be the one opening the envelope uh, and reading these votes aloud. And then if, well, anyhow, help, help me out, because yeah. what, what's the authority that he has exactly? Well, he is the presiding officer at that point. And in these legislative bodies, when you're the presiding officer, you have significant authority and power to determine how it's going to take place. I'm not saying he doesn't have to ask for a vote or get support of the body, okay. but there are some procedural moves that a, a presiding officer in that case can do. If, if, in fact, Nixon did the same thing in 1961 when he was opening the ballots and Hawaii had sent two slates of electors, the first slate for him, the Republicans uh, initially uh, won the state and and the official slate of electors was for, for Richard Nixon. But then later in the month after a recount, the Democrats sent a slate saying we won the election. And Nixon himself went opening the ballots uh, rejected an, an objection to his own vote there in Hawaii and accepted uh, the vote for Kennedy and said, we're not going to we're not going to go any further than that. Gore did something similar in 2000. Um, whether or not Pence chooses a different path is up to him. I would hope that he would entertain the objections and recess the two bodies and have them go go debate it. But, but you know, it, go ahead. Sorry. Dan. Yeah, but he but he can only do any he can only do that if a U.S. congressman and a U.S. senator object. Yeah, that's the first step. They, they, they've got to object. Um, and, and even then, that idea of one from each chamber objecting is, is part of that, that law that was written and, and passed in 1887 when they were trying to prevent the 1876 debacle from happening again. But the only thing scholars agree on about that Electoral Count Act is that no one agrees on what that Electoral Count Act <laughs> actually says and how it's going to play out. Really muddy. It's it's poorly written. Uh, some yeah. say that it says both chambers have to reject. Some say that it doesn't say that in, in this particular case where multiple yeah. electors are sent. And then there's all the muddy water about does the governor sign, did the governor sign off or did somebody else sign off? So it is going to be confusing. Uh, there may even have to be some challenges before the Supreme Court on interpretation of that statute and whether or not it does actually hold or we just follow the constitutional provision in, in the in the 12th Amendment. So I wish I could say it's really clear. That's why I keep coming back to the electors. Their path, I mean, I'm sorry, the legislatures, their path truly is clear. If they would do their job, it would take away all this uncertainty. Uh, right. and, I, and I hope that they do. If just four of the states do their job, then that will take care of this and it'll end up getting thrown to the House. 
and uh, and they'll vote by state according to the 12th Amendment. All right. Rick. A lot of ifs there, man. Sorry to leave it so confusing. No, it makes sense. Rick Green, uh, less Excedrin. I'm taking less Excedrin because of this segment, so I do appreciate it. <laughs> Thanks, Rick. All the best to you. God bless, man. Thanks for having me. All right. We'll see Rick Green next week. Uh, always breaking down the Constitution. Not an easy thing to do, or maybe it kind of is. Anyhow, back in a moment. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Welcome back to the Water Cooler, everybody. Uh, the COVID relief bill, will it get done in time for Christmas? Will, be, will there be some stimulus checks in that COVID relief? Let's uh, get some answers to that and a whole lot more with uh, Congresswoman Vicki Hartzler from Missouri uh, joining us here on the Water Cooler. Congresswoman, always great to see you. Oh, it's good to see you too, David. So what is the latest there from uh, Congress about this COVID relief bill? What are you hearing? And uh, what are you, what's your sense of, A, if something's going to get done? And B, what about those stimulus checks? I know a lot of people would love to see a little extra money their way. Sure. Well, I think a lot of it is still up to Nancy Pelosi. From what I understand, they're very, very close to finalizing a deal. We had a conference call earlier today with Kevin McCarthy and the Republicans and uh um, you know, I think it's it's very, very close. And uh, I'm hopeful that we will get something done. Um, we It provides, as far as draft versions that I have seen, it does provide some of the most important things, which is to keep people working, to help those small businesses out there by extending a second round of PPP loans so that they can keep people on the job. Um, we are hearing, uh, obviously, I haven't seen the draft yet, but we're hearing that it will have some uh, stimulus money in it uh, for individuals, possibly a smaller amount than last time. Uh, but there will be some assistance there. There's money for health care providers, some schools, uh, still money for vaccine dissemination and uh, more money for research. So uh, from what I've heard so far, it appears that it is a very more targeted approach, which is something that I can support rather than just uh, putting everything else in there, such as money for illegal immigrants. So um, right. we'll see what happens. But I think they're getting very close. I want to ask you about the National Defense Authorization Bill. Uh, you've been pretty outspoken spoken on this, uh, saying that the president needs to sign this. Uh, there's, it's not just you. It's, I mean, it's many, dozens and dozens of Republicans want him to sign this defense authorization bill. But he, he says he's going to veto the, this bill. What, what's, what's the take there uh, from you on that? Well, it's very disappointing because this is our number one bill that we have to provide for the common defense and to ensure our men and women in uniform have what they need. And we have worked all year on this, and uh, it would be a major setback if we didn't pass this. It includes a, a 3% pay raise for our men and women in uniform right here at Christmas time. It also provides for modernization of many of our platforms with new equipment and new planes and new ships that we need in order to compete with China and Russia. 
and it includes things that are supportive for our military families. And it goes after China. It has multiple provisions in here, including a couple of my provisions, which will require the Department of Defense to look at bringing back our pharmaceutical production back to the United States. Another provision of mine uh, prohibits the federal government from buying our electronic printed circuit boards from China. Uh, those electronics are in almost every platform that we have, and we need to be developing them here and not have them come from China. And so those are just some of the provisions in here, and uh, I would sure hate to see it uh, be vetoed. I want to ask you on another COVID-related subject, uh, back to COVID for a second, about religious liberty, a very uh, important issue near and dear, of course, to your heart. Uh, here's a tweet that you put up recently uh, about what the Supreme Court has done just recently. You said, I'm glad SCOTUS sided with churches again over the unconstitutional actions taken by a couple of rogue states. The rules should be applied e uh, equally to all, of course, you're referring to some of those cases coming down this week as it relates to religious liberty in the Supreme Court. How, uh, how encouraged are you on all of this? Because it does seem like the Supreme Court is going to have to take a stance on a lot of this. And so far, I guess, so good. Oh, I have been very encouraged that they have sided with religious freedoms and stopped the discrimination against churches. I mean, we have had governors that have allowed people to go to their retail establishment and to go to their liquor stores and go to other events, and yet they have prohibited our churches from meeting or limiting very severely the number of people that can attend. And uh, first of all, we have you know, that's in the Constitution. They have the right to uh, assemble. But secondly, uh, there have not been any proof that there have been widespread uh, any COVID cases coming from churches gathering. People know how to do it safely. And I am thankful that the Supreme Court stood up for our religious institutions and said they can't be discriminated against. We need to be fair to all entities. Congresswoman, before we let you go, there's a very important, there's a lot of important issues, but one I know near and dear uh, to your heart that you've really taken a, a vested interest in, which is veterans and suicide. And I've got to tell you about, I don't know, it was about six months ago or so, I interviewed the second lady, Karen Pence, who has been really out front on this issue about how, how devastating suicide is, is within the uh, veterans community, within the military overall. Uh, t tell us about your work and what you're trying to do to help uh, prevent or, or, or slow, slow that uh, aspect of it. Right. Well, I've been on a mission for several years now to try to find solutions for our men and women in uniform and our veterans that work when they're suffering from PTSD or feeling hopeless. And the good news is, is that I've discovered a lot of faith-based nonprofit organizations that are founded and run by former soldiers that are having tremendous success. And so I am uh, trying to link those organizations with the various services in the Department of Defense, as well as the VA, to see that these programs are offered on an equal, uh, equal playing field as other traditional uh, forms of treatment, and to make sure that they are available so that they can find the hope and the help that only comes from addressing the wound of the heart, and that's through Jesus Christ. So I was pleased and honored to be named as one of the prevents uh, task force national ambassadors that uh, Second Lady Karen Pence is our head ambassador for recently. And I hope to use that platform to try to make people more aware of these organizations so that they can receive the life-saving help that they need. And just 30 seconds left or so, but it kind of transitions me into, you know, with all the stress that's out there in today's politically toxic climate, uh, what's, what's a message that you can provide for unity uh, through all of this? Uh, Republicans, Democrats, uh, 
uh, folks on the left side and the right side. What, what's, what's a message uh, here, especially at Christmas time? Well, we need to remember why we are here, certainly as elected officials, and that is to serve the people, all the people back home. And there are many areas of things where we can come to agreement on, and we need to reach across the aisle and focus on the people, put aside the political labels, and certainly uh, have a heart of service and, and giving just like God gave us his son, Jesus Christ, and Jesus sacrificially gave his life for us. We need to follow that lead, follow that example, be a light in our community, reach out to others and serve others with that same heart. Um, and we will see a, a bright 2021. Congresswoman Vicki Hartzler, uh, I've known you there in the past and just uh, great work all around. I really appreciate your time and thanks for your service to our country. You bet, it's an honor. Thank you, David. All right, Congresswoman Vicki Hartzler uh, talking about thinking, or at least that she believes the COVID relief bill will get done and we'll see about the stimulus checks. I, I thought it was interesting, she, she said, uh, a targeted approach, which is exactly what Republicans want. They want to help folks, but let's not get carried away. Let's make sure it's targeted and effective at the same time. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Welcome back to the water cooler, everybody. Uh, AOC, she's on the loose. Well, I mean, you know what I mean. Not on the loose, but I mean, well, I mean, ideologically, she may be a bit on the loose. Uh, and, and Nancy Pelosi trying to corral her back in. Yeah, good luck with that. Ain't at, it's not happening. Uh, let's get more with uh, Daniel Lippman uh, over at Politico, White House reporter uh, over there. Uh, Daniel, great to see you, sir. Thank you, David. Great to see you, too. Well, The Intercept had uh, this uh, interview with uh, AOC. Obviously, it's making waves all over the place. Basically, I mean, to paraphrase, it's time for... Uh, her to go, as in uh, leadership, at least. Nancy Pelosi needs to go, but there's nobody to replace her yet. Of course, that's the headline. It's not exactly what AOC said. But in essence, she is saying that new leadership is needed. What do you make of the, uh, the scuffle, the political scuffle at this point? Well, I think it's very interesting to see how the Democratic Party is moving to the left uh, and how there are concerns among progressives that the Biden, incoming Biden administration is not uh, progressive enough, not, uh, you know, is, is more centrist and moderate than they want. And, and so AOC's comments calling for Chuck Schumer uh, and Nancy Pelosi to go are, are in that vein. Uh, they are kind of sick and tired, or she is, she and the other progressives are tired of a democratic leadership that they, seen as, that they see as old and not in tune with the real Democratic Party these days. I mean, there there is a, a quite a bit of truth to that. I mean, you know, the, the, the Democratic leadership is pretty old. Uh, the, the Democrat Party wants to move in a new direction from the, the squad standpoint and some progressives in the caucus. So uh, how does Nancy Pelosi handle this at this point? I mean, this is this is um, this is going to be an interesting tap dance for her. Yeah, I think she is trying to keep all members of her caucus in line, especially since, uh, and, you know, they only have a few, they lost seats in November. And, uh, you know, Joe Biden has picked a couple uh, Democrats from Congress to uh, staff his administration. And so they have a pretty narrow margin. And so they can't afford to lose too many more seats. Uh, and especially with 
the midterms coming up in 2022, that is traditionally when the other party wins. And so Nancy Pelosi could well be the minority leader then, and then there would definitely be a party challenge. And I don't think she's terribly interested in being the minority leader, uh, especially when you know she is up there in age, and also uh, Democrats will would likely mount several challenges against her. You know, it's hard to get in AOC's head, but you, you wonder uh, where her future lies exactly as it relates to uh, a climb into House leadership, to potentially being Speaker of the House one day, or is this about getting Chuck Schumer's seat in the Senate? She is from New York. Uh, what, what's, uh, what's the scuttlebutt? What's your, what's your sense there? Is there any way to get a read on this at all? Well, she's in her early 30s, and so she is kind of too young to uh, be a House, you know, minority leader or you know, majority leader. Uh, and so she admitted in the interview that uh, she is just too green and inexperienced to actually be in House leadership. And so uh, there are other progressives who are older uh, and that could potentially be tapped, but they are not as they don't have the star quality as AOC. I think she definitely probably wants to be a senator one day. Uh, and so Chuck Schumer is not going to be senator uh, from New York forever. And Gillibrand is younger, and so she doesn't look like she's going anywhere. And so mm -hmm. AOC could be a plausible candidate for that Schumer seat one day. You know, uh, one of the guests that we have frequently on the show is the former mayor of Baltimore, Stephanie Rawlings-Blake, a big Biden supporter. But, uh, you know, Stephanie Rawlings-Blake will be the first to admit that she's pretty progressive. And she's been a bit hesitant on some of Biden's picks so far. I mean, what's your take of what Biden's been doing so far and some of the, the, the appointments or nominations he's making or picks that he's establishing? Because it does seem a bit center. I mean, my read is center left. My read is establishment. That, that, that's kind of my read on it. No, I think your read is exactly right. Uh, Biden is not a flame-throwing, you know, torch-bearing, uh, you know, guy who wants to storm the city. This is a moderate guy, and he wants to bring back normalcy to Washington. And you're not going to, uh, after the years of Trump uh, and all the chaos in, in the White House and in Washington, and so he doesn't want to have a, um, you know, a lot of appointments who would rile up the Republican Senate, especially since he has to get many of these people confirmed. Uh, and McConnell uh, is willing to work with him, willing to uh, confirm most of these people, but he couldn't get a Elizabeth Warren confirmed as the Secretary of the Treasury. And so he's going with someone that will reassure the financial markets and Wall Street. Uh, and same with most of the other choices. They are not, these are people that Biden has often worked with in the past, uh, and they are seen as in, in the mainstream who are, who's not, they're not going to uh, disrupt things too much. Although when things get back to normal too much in Washington, then people in the heartland feel like Washington is forgetting about them again. You know, speaking of disrupting, obviously Nancy Pelosi is going to be Speaker of the House come January. We know that's a fait accompli. Uh, having said that, I want to read you what Newt Gingrich uh, tweeted out. I thought this was pretty interesting. This is what he said. If AOC and the squad really want to move beyond Speaker Pelosi, all they have to do is refused to vote for her. Her margin isn't big enough to survive without them. It's put up or shut up time. And, you know, you wonder if that's not just about voting for her for Speaker that, or voting against her for Speaker of the House, but actually voting against her in many of the bills. I mean, she's going to need their votes. She is. And so um, I don't think AOC wants to be uh, cause too much chaos and, and trouble, especially when there is no logical Democrat who would... Uh, replace Pelosi right now. Uh, and so she is not going to gum up the works uh, and vote against her 
uh, leading to kind of charges of disloyalty. And Biden would be, I'm sure, breathing down her neck saying anything you want, uh, you're not going to get if you hold up my friend Nancy Pelosi. And so I think uh, AOC is not in the Ted Cruz, you know, shut the government down, read, you know, green eggs and ham uh, on the Senate floor for 10 hours. But uh, she wants to make a point uh, and make it publicly in the press. Let me just be very clear. If AOC read green eggs and ham on the, on the floor of the House, I'd watch that. I, I would watch it. I don't know about I you. Would too. you. You know Politico would write an article about that. Of course I'm they would. I'm sure. Everyone, everyone would be tweeting about that. But I think, uh, you know, I wonder what books are on AOC's nightstand these days. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, Daniel uh, Littman, I really appreciate it. Well, just like AOC, we got to come up with a nickname for you. DP, I guess. DP? I mean, you know, that's, that's DL or whatever no. you want to Oh, yeah. What did I say? Why did I say P? DL. What am I talking about? <laughs> Who do we have on the show today? Oh, that's right. Daniel Lippman. All right. <laughs> Thanks, Daniel. Appreciate yeah. it. Thanks, David. I'll tell you what. It's only a Thursday. We haven't even reached Friday yet, and I, and I literally have no idea what I'm talking about. Then again, welcome to the water cooler in terms of how I have no idea what I'm talking about. Oh, speaking of all of that, guess what's coming up next? What a great transition. The last sip where we really have no idea what we're talking about. Uh, we've got some interesting masks to show you. How about this? The most expensive mask in the country. It's not mine, by the way. Back in a moment. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Welcome back, everybody, to The Last Sip. Is my time? Let me just make sure my... Oh, hi. There we go. Uh, time for The Last Sip, uh, everybody. Uh, so I don't know about you. I just have one of those, uh, you know, uh, blue masks, you know, and they put it around. I go to the grocery store and I put it on. But, but how about this mask? Uh, check this one out. $1.5 million. It's the world's most expensive face mask. Uh, the person that ordered it wants to uh, be kept anonymous. But uh, check this out. Uh, it's got 250 grams of 18 karat gold. It's got 3,608 natural black and white diamonds, a total weight of about 210 carats. That makes it the most expensive mask in the world. I'm looking also, it weighs nearly nine ounces. Uh, by the way, it has to be 100% functional and N99 compliant. Uh, that according to the person that wanted that mask. So I tell you what, that is impressive. Now, I don't normally have a mask like that because if I did, why am I, I, I don't know why I'm like this. I could just be, you know, anyhow, I would like that. Uh, I'm not quite sure if that's in the water cooler budget, uh, but if it is, uh, maybe there's a way we can not pay any of our salaries and just have me wear that mask. Uh, anyhow, uh, so here's what I was also thinking about. Uh, what if some other folks were wearing masks? Now, they're not going to be expensive, but for example, uh, Donald Trump. Now, Donald Trump wearing the I-1 mask would be uh, comical. Uh, some would say factual. <laughs> uh, Joe Biden, how about this? The uh, 
where am I uh, mask. Uh, that's always good. And of course, that doesn't just go for Joe Biden. Of course, that, I think that goes for a lot of folks uh, and be quite frank, including me. Uh, I am uh, over 55 and that puts me in the where am I category uh, for sure. Uh, and then uh, how about the Kamala Harris mask? <laughs> Let's just put the ha 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 I can't even do her laugh. Uh, we need to probably put in her laugh. So I can't do it. But she's always laughing. So how about just ha 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 or just LOL, whatever. And, and then AOC, you got to have an AOC mask. My guess is she's going around with this mask, the world domination mask, the socialist world domination mask uh, for AOC. So there you have it. Once again, those are not the most expensive masks in the country, but they're definitely uh, the most creative. Uh, as for me, could you imagine me going home to my wife and saying, hey, honey, uh, look, I was on Amazon the other day and uh, I bought this $1.5 million mask, but it's for you. And she would be like, really? Yeah, uh, that's not happening. Uh, get me the uh, I won mask or the other masks. Uh, anyhow, back in a moment. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Welcome back to the water cooler, everybody. Uh, end of the show. It's Sophie time. Sophie News uh, joining us. Do you like it? Sophie time? I love Sophie time. That's I great. Like, I like Sophie News, but I kind of like Sophie time. Okay, but theme music of my own is probably necessary at that point. That's true. Madison, uh, Sophie requesting the theme music. Yeah. For, okay, Good. she wants to know what genre you would like. Ooh, okay, <laughs> I'll think on it. I'll get back to you. That's I appreciate fine. the effort. In, in the meantime, maybe we should talk about some news of the day. Yes, yes. Okay, so uh, vaccine vaccines. news. Yes. Um, in... Collaboration with the last night of Hanukkah. Mm-hmm. No, I'm just kidding. But oh my tonight, gosh, I'm like, wait, vaccines and Hanukkah? What are you talking about? So tonight about? is the last night of Hanukkah, which is why I bring it up. But Thank you. what happened yesterday yeah. was this spectacular, fun, actually really great story. Mm-hmm. Um, vaccines have started to go out. The Pfizer vaccine has started to go out to doctors and pharmacists across the U.S. And what some doctors are finding is that vaccines that were only supposed to have five doses, vials like of the vaccine, right. that were only supposed to have five doses of the shot in them actually have six, which is similar to, you know, the miracle of Hanukkah. The oil is supposed to only <laughs> last so for good. one day, but it lasted for eight and so on and so nice. forth. So the, the timeliness makes sense and God works in mysterious ways and all that. But at the end of the day, um, the FDA has now issued a statement saying, use that vaccine. Don't question it. Like, get it out there. We will. I mean, it's safe. It's it, what they're yeah. saying is it's obviously safe. And this is like a happy mistake. They don't exactly know what happened at the bottling facility in Germany with Pfizer. Um, the U.S. is in negotiations right now to get more uh, mm-hmm. doses of the vaccine from Pfizer. Um, mm-hmm. HHS Secretary Alex Azar and some of his advisors are actively negotiating with Pfizer. and They don't yet have a date of delivery for the next round of millions and millions of doses. We know we will need more. Yeah. Moderna's vaccine is right on the precipice of getting that FDA approval, but isn't quite there yet. We're expecting that in the next day or two, maybe yeah. early next week. But right now, we just really want as much of that Pfizer vaccine going out as possible. And this was just a little boost. Um, and uh-huh. so it's sort of an interesting little whoopsie and uh we we don't know why they're trying to get to the bottom of it but just gonna, i know on. i'm sorry don't say it. no i'm gonna say it. I, real quick who's calling it a happy mistake i'm just curious uh, well, 
Was you that know, you? Is that you? A happy mistake, a happy accident. That's fine. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was I in the even, Pfizer press release. It wasn't. It was not in the Pfizer press release. I, I don't even understand. So five? Oh no, there's six. Are bad. Yes. What is that? Yeah. I mean, it's hard to know. You know, it's it's a new vaccine. Okay. They're still working with the measurements, the numbers. We're getting it right. We're getting it out there. It's a work in progress. Yes. Sophie Time. Sophie News. Thank you. <laughs> which is part of Sophie Time. Yes. We'll figure it out. We're working on the, yeah. the theme music. We'll get it done. Now. All right. Uh, theme music coming uh, for uh, Sophie News next time on the show. Hey, Friday's tomorrow, which means we're going to have a lot of fun. We always have a lot of fun. We're news with a smile. Have we not said that? See you tomorrow.